Hi, thanks for tuning into the Bike and Wire podcast. On today's episode, we talk with Spencer Dial about the Andrew Anthony news and other recruiting matters. And then we talk to our board Carter about the NBA restart that's happening well, if you're listening to the pod, when it's released today. So stay tuned. It'll be a great show. Here's Spartan Dog 97. Thanks, Spartan Dog 97. When I'm not getting over-invested in the decisions of teenagers, I'm Spartan Dog 97. I'm joined by the boys. Uh, guys, kind of a weird 24 hours, huh? Yeah, that's really all I can say. Like, it was a little bit of excitement and, and on the football spectrum, a little bit of excitement, and then all of a sudden, like in the last, what, six hours, it's just – like all of a sudden a dump filled diaper is, is happening again. And it's, it's, it's depressing considering how much, uh, how Tom Izzo is just completely fucking dominating on the other side of things too. You know, the way you described where you're talking about recruiting this year or the last or the football seasons following the college football playoff appearance. Hey, just a yes. That's my answer. <laughs> it's like that. Uh, it's like that rage comic dude with like the fancy blonde hair is like yes. <laughs> uh, it, it it feels like the. I mean, I, I shouldn't say. I mean, D'Antonio was scared to go after the big guys, and it it was it was saddening to see him lose so many guys that we knew we could get, and you know, with all this stuff going on right now, at, at the time of recording it just kind of makes me feel like we're back in those, those dog days again. And I know it's going to get better someday, but right now it's, it just, it's bumming me out. And cause I fucking love MSU football and it's starting to make me feel like I'm, I'm back in 2004 and five when, you know, it was the John L years and we were kind of just holding on to hope and not actually seeing anything on the field, but that's not fair to Tucker. That's just, my general feeling right now with how things are going. Yeah. Not, I mean, it's a pandemic too. So I got to factor that in. Yeah. You know, um, we talked about all that with, with Spencer dial, uh, host of the MSU sports zone podcast. And then we're going to talk NBA with, uh, our boy Carter, uh, you know, cause the NBA restarts today. If you're listening, when you're, when you're listening to this, it, it will have started today on my birthday. On on Lucas's birthday, uh, oh, yeah. so a happy birthday, a happy birthday to you, Lucas. Thank yes. you. Thank you. Happy twenty first. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. What'd you say, Brett? Turning the happy big tw- two happy one. Happy twenty first. Yeah, I'm twenty. Yeah, I'm actually um, fifteen years old. I'm Sav's older brother. <laughs> <laughs> you know, know what I've been telling people that I mean I I'm twenty seven. So when I turn twenty eight this year, I'm. I'm just keeping 27. Like we didn't get to use this year at all. So yeah, I'm, I'm 33 tomorrow and it's like, I'm starting to think like, Oh my God, I'm a third of a century old. Larry bird, Larry bird year. Yeah. I mean, who could forget the French lick Indiana native Larry bird, but I like 32, you know, magic Johnson, but Larry bird was Larry bird was okay. Yeah, so uh, let's uh, let's get in let's get into our conversation with Spencer Dial. Mm-hmm. Um, very very 
good conversation kind of talking through what the fuck happened today. And then later on, uh, we're going to have Carter on and we're going to talk about the NBA restart. So let's get into our conversation with Spencer. All right. We're now joined by uh, the owner of MSU Sports Zone, host of the MSU Sports Zone podcast, Spencer Dial. Spencer, how are you doing? Good. How about you guys? Thank you for having me. Oh, no problem, man. You know, we're, we're doing, um, we're doing weird. I think weird is the right way to put it. So let's just, let's just jump right into it. Um, this Andre Anthony Jr. stuff. Yeah. What, what the fuck is going on right now? Like, I just like, now it's fun. Now everyone texts me. Oh, you didn't know he was going to Michigan. No, I don't think anyone knew, but uh, (laughs) you know what I mean? It's like, now everyone seems to know, but no one knew. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, like he was at Michigan the other day visiting. You guys saw that with the tour. Um, mm-hmm. And I asked him about that, and he just said he, he made up some bullshit. Um, he never got to see the campus, so he wanted to see the campus. He only got to see the football stadium. So I didn't really think anything of it, but obviously now, um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I mean <laughs> – it's just like tough to even speak on because all of us thought we were getting them, going to get the first in-state big, I guess you say, but it's not looking good now. Yeah, yeah just – I mean, Brett – no, sorry, Brett. I was just going to say, like, you for a few uh, weeks now have been publicly concerned. You've made mention of it on the podcast about this recruiting class. And, you know, I think this is the first time where, like, I kind of I kind of see where you're coming from. Yeah, so, like, I mean, I – think we have a couple of like really really good players in this class I am incredibly high on Hamp Fay. I think mm-hmm. he's going to be your starting quarterback probably as early as 2021 um I also really think Kevin Wigginton is going to be a stud for us and Charles Brantley but overall like I get that we're in the middle of a pandemic but it is alarming that our recruiting class we've had such a high in April getting like four or five recruits in like a short period of time and now it's just like I mean it hasn't even leveled out it's just like almost like a roller coaster that's just gone off the tracks. Like, I mean, I don't know what our ranking is now, but it's right around 70. And then you potentially like you, your big offensive target in state is going to spurn you and go to your Mm -hmm. biggest rival to be their fourth wide receiver commit. It just, it's not, I don't know how to explain it. Like it doesn't even piss me off that we didn't get Andrew. It makes me more mad that why were they prioritizing him so bad? Like we don't need wide receivers that bad. Like, I, I keep telling people, like, why aren't we recruiting any defense? We're recruiting no defensive linemen. And, I mean, I, the only defensive pass rusher I can name on a roster is Jacob Panishuk. Other than that, I mean, I don't know. It seems like Benny's probably going to Michigan. Um, I know we're still recruiting Ro- Roquan Buckley, I think is his name, but yeah, he's nowhere close. He wants to – a lot of these Michigan guys want to get to school. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's not going to happen, I don't think. <laughs> there was a flurry of commitments and like it started slowing. And then, you know, we had Gabe Neely decommit and, you know, now we're kind of in this position where we haven't really had any, any recruitment, you know, kind of, kind of coming in, in a, in like a couple months now, was that early, was that early period like kind of a result of like the pandemic? 
like where people were just like so unsure of what was going to happen that they just kind of, that it was kind of like a panic thing or what, like what's your yeah. insight? I mean, yeah, I agree with that. But to a point, like I'm big, like I looked at a lot of, and no, this is no disrespect to a lot of those guys, but when they, they didn't have a lot of them didn't have the best offers for like Gabe Neely, for example. So when a Michigan state offers you, you're going to jump on it because with, I mean, he, maybe he didn't know if, you know, Jalen Reed would have re, um, you know, not recommit or go to Michigan state, but you never know with, um, what's going to happen. So yeah, that, I would agree with you like the pandemic and all that. But now I think a lot of guys just don't know what the future is. Um, whether it's going to be, you know, canceled visits through September or regardless of what it is. But I, I don't know why, you know, we're struggling so bad to get guys like Howard got all these guys in basketball his first year. Like I, I think it's, it's all because it's all based off what, um, how bad we've been the last few years. I think it's all the fuel product and Tucker's not going to be able to sell these guys on, you know, positions and all that because they know we're rebuilding. So obviously if they come, they're going to start, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, no, I couldn't agree more. I mean, what is, what, what is Mel Tucker supposed to sell these kids on? I mean, what are you going to show them film from last year of jet sweeps and passes flying 10 yards over their head? Like, I mean, how are you going to get a kid here? If you exactly. don't no film to sell them on, you can't get them on campus to show them. You can't have them sit down with Jay Johnson and be like, all right, this is how I'm going to use you. I mean, you only have a year of Colorado film as well. Like, I, it's it's almost an impossible situation. But as still a big-time program, yeah. you shouldn't struggle this much. I I think – I know, and, like, everyone – like, I love Tucker. You know, I, I think – Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying I like Tucker a lot. And I like, you know, the energy he's bringing. But to a point, you got to hold the guy – yeah, I understand, guys. I mean, to all the fans, they're going to be like, oh, like, D'Antonio screwed us. I get all that. But to a point, you got to move on from that and realize he's no longer with us. And, you know, I mean, Tucker's – I mean, who knows? Maybe he didn't prioritize Anthony as much as everyone thought. But I don't know. I mean, you got to, like – whether it's, um, you know, Gina Vandermark, Audrick Esme out of New Jersey, who I think are going to visit Michigan State next month. But you got to pick and choose guys, like, I feel like he's recruiting all – if you look at it, he's recruiting a lot of O-linemen, um, you know, I, I guess a few running backs, but not really. But it's not a lot of defense, and that's – I'm surprised by. I don't know, though. It just yeah. – it, it feels like uh, like the, the classic D'Antonio burn on Michigan in reverse from, God, probably thir- 2013 or 14. They sell hope, we sell results. It feels like it's yeah. the opposite now in, in every other way. Like it's a total 180 from five, six years ago, which it sucks, but that's the way it is. And like you and I were saying earlier, Spencer, like when we were talking, like it's just, it's just this, like, what the fuck do we do right now? <laughs> I think, I think what pisses me personally off the most was, you know, he he grew up in the, in East Lansing's backyard, right? From my perspective, if a player out of East Lansing High School reaches the level of a Big Ten athlete, then he should not leave East Lansing. He shouldn't even step outside of – he shouldn't step outside East Lansing city limits. And Solja brought this point up earlier. 
you know, he, he was an ELHS alumni and, you know, a lot of students, he said, you know, wanted to go outside of MSU to, you know, expand their horizons and get a change of scenery or whatever. And I understand that, but, you know, he's kind of talking about the general student body here, right? He's talking about, he's talking about some, he's talking about, you know, people like me who weren't going to go to college to play athletics and, and we're going to go to school to major in history, you know? So mm -hmm. I, but I just don't understand, you know, whether or not Tucker deprioritized Anthony or not, I still think it's a bad look to have Harbaugh come in and take a guy out of your own backyard. And my feeling is, you know, they already have three receivers in, in the class of 21. My mm -hmm. feeling is Harbaugh just took Anthony and is going to stash him and dash him because he can't. You know, that's mm -hmm. what sucks. Yeah. And um, I was going to say about Anthony as well, where a lot of people are like, oh, are you surprised by, you know, him committing there? And I wasn't very much surprised. I was more like, you know, shocked that it took people this long. Not to say, oh, yeah, like he missed out on – or Michigan State missed out, but like how nobody saw this coming. Um, I think it's all based off he sees uh, – you know, I know Donovan Peoples-Jones didn't perform to his best, but they, he still had great receivers, whether it – was Tariq Black or Nico Collins, where, you know, the last great receiver Michigan State had, as bad as it sounds, was probably Plaxico Burris that I can, like, legitimately remember. Um, I mean, I know we've had, you know, Felton Davis, but they haven't turned out good in the NFL, I, I guess, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. No, that totally makes sense. You know, I think I, I think that's, that's part of it, too. And, you know, I we know that – Andrew Sr. is a big Michigan fan who just happens to live in East Lansing. So, you know, I think, I think that's hard to beat, you know? Yeah. Um, it, it reminds me a little bit of Malik McDowell's mom. Like, to a much lesser extremity to deal with her. You know, she was a, uh, you know, one of our, one of our uh, affiliates got into an argument with her on Facebook over it. But, uh, you know, it just it it. I kind of thought about that earlier. Like, you know, whenever a parent gets involved, and I understand you're trying to look out for your son, but like, you know, if it were me, like if I have a son or daughter and they want to go to Michigan, I'm gonna have that inner turmoil. Like, fuck, you know, like, do I want them to go? No, but like, <laughs> I'm gonna be supportive of their decision. And it it, it just feels like maybe Dad kind of got in his ear at the last second and. Maybe Harbaugh did woo him with a sleepover, you know, play play date or something. You know, but, but it just seems like parents win seventy five percent of the time. Yeah, and I like I, a lot of people are like, "Oh, why am I tweeting?" Like it was embarrassing today, and it wasn't so much that we lost him there. It was more like we put five months in this guy. Harbaugh put seven days into him. You know what right. I mean? Like, it, I mean, that's like the worst part about it is that's why I'm like, this is what. I don't remember who tweeted it, but I was like, this is what recruits think of us right now. Like, it's it's kind of – I don't want to say embarrassing, but it's kind of sad, to be honest with you. Yeah, and, you know, I just don't yep. see it – I don't see an avenue right now where, you know, Tucker can, can improve that. You know, I don't uh, – it came out today that, you know, Rutgers is quarantining 
mm-hmm. because a group of players went to a party, yeah, like an off-campus just... party, and they broke quarantine. And, you know, that's going to be harder and harder to control as students start coming back. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, if teams can't control an outbreak when it's just the staff and players there, imagine how hard it's going to be to control an outbreak when you're welcoming 40,000 kids to campus. Exactly. So, I just don't see a scenario where f- football is played this fall, and that makes that makes recruiting for this 2021 class even harder. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think with the not being played, like, a lot of players I've talked to, like, at this point, they're like, you know, just – and I've been the same way. Like, I wish they would just tell them right now what's going to happen. I don't like how they make them wait to the last minute to know, but yeah. I guess that's the reality of it, and – yeah, I mean, if they're moving the season, like they said, possibly to the spring, that'd be brutal, in my opinion. Like playing, I think it was the March 25th start, a seven-game season, and then getting like two weeks off, and then boom, you're right back in training camp. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's better for the players and Tucker to, you know, interact like more practices, but I don't know. To me, that would be kind of brutal for the guys. Yeah, I just – I don't – I don't quite necessarily see how 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 you can a lot of people I think this is you know just a blanket statement for America is like we're trying to have our cake and eat it too right mm-hmm. we're trying to look like we're doing stuff to like prevent for, to prevent covid from getting worse but like we also want like the benefits that come with like having a having a functioning society like I think it's Sean Doolittle who said mm-hmm. sports are a reward for a for a functioning society and like I just don't see I don't see college football I don't see college football as a reality right now and it just kind of sucks that that all that you know that today I believe you know the NCAA said you know you guys can go ahead and go with your fall fall schedule because they know the governors are probably going to cancel it so the NCAA doesn't have to be the bad guy that's mm-hmm. the thing. No one wants to be the bad guy. No one wants to take that bullet for the greater yeah. good. And that's that's the situation we're in right now. I didn't realize that, that the governors would have to make that decision. Um, but, yeah, I mean, another thing I didn't even mention, but if you moved the season to the spring, and I, I don't really care. I'm just saying for the players' aspect, um, a lot of these first-rounders and top guys, they're going to opt out of the season. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get Justin Fields or uh, – Whoever it is. Trevor Lawrence is going to say, fuck you exactly. to Davos Looney. Forgot about Trevor Lawrence. Um, all I mean, all the top guys, they're not going to risk. You know, I mean, just say they start March 25th, like they said. Um, you're going to have, what, in a month they're going to uh, go to the draft? Like, that's just not going to happen, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I don't – and, you know, I think – I wonder if the NFL would make any kind of special exception, you know, mm-hmm. maybe push the draft back or – you know, do something like that. But if they, even if they do, I can still see Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and, you know, some of the other top guys going like, I'm not, I'm not going to play. Like, yeah. Why would I do that? Right. I mean, the first kind of semi-big domino fell today with Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech, who's the top corner, potential top 10 pick. He said, no, I'm not, I'm out. Like, I mean, he's already pulled out. And then, I mean, I follow Matt Miller from Bleacher Report football. He's, predicting that in the next two weeks that it's just going to be an avalanche of top guys saying they're not, they're not going to be playing regardless of when the season is. So, mm-hmm. I mean, like SD, like you said, how the NFL, they might be able to tweak their, 
their calendar in terms of when the draft would be. Um, I think the NFL, they're going to be in trouble with their season. So I don't know if they would start late. And I, I don't know. Nobody knows what's going to happen, which is the crazy thing. It's really hard to predict, like, what's going to happen with the drafts and whatnot. So, I mean, if if I was advising a potential top 30 pick in the NFL, I would just tell the players don't even bother with college, whether it's in the fall for three games or it's going to be in the spring for uh, seven. Exactly. And what, like, it sucks, too, with Lawrence and Fields because, you know, their teams are really good. They, they yeah. honestly both, you know, play in the national championship where the Virginia Tech corner, I did see that. And I'm not going to lie, I didn't know who that was until I saw the first-round pick. But, like, they're – I mean, no offense, but they're probably not going to be that good. So, it's probably an easier decision for him than, like, mm-hmm. Lawrence saying shit. Like, you know, this might be to win two national titles in three years. where But – you know, I think it'd be tougher for Lawrence than, like, some of the guys where they know, you know, like, their team won't be as good. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, didn't even, I didn't even think about that. Um, so, Spencer, let's, it, let's talk about Instagram because I don't understand Instagram at all. Mm-hmm. Like, my personal Instagram is a disaster. I haven't posted in <laughs> over a year. Like, what's the, key to, what's the key to having a successful Instagram account? Honestly, though, like, and that's how I felt with Twitter. Like, I didn't really get on Twitter until probably January. That's why, like, I mean, not as many people are – they're probably like, who is this guy? You know, like, why is he always doing – tweeting this? But, like, people on Instagram, like, I guess they – you could say respect me more. But I don't know. Like, I didn't really – I don't really – never cared about the following as much. I just always felt like if I can gain players' respect, like, then I'm doing it right. But, it, I mean, all these apps are getting confusing. I, I agree with you there. Um, but the main reason why I even started that was, you know, I was, cause I want to go in the sports field, obviously, but I was like, maybe if I, you know, create this and it does something decent, um, if I'm ever going for an internship or a job, it will look good on my resume. And that was like the only reason to be honest. Um, like if I ever got some kind of job and it, they required me to, you know, not delete the page, but not run it, I would do that in a heartbeat. Cause that's all, it was never for the following. It was more for like that aspect of it. I, I, yeah, I get that. Um, you know, that's probably, you know, running a successful account is definitely look good on a resume for going into sports journalism and, you know, you, you definitely been super successful. Um, yeah, I, I have an Instagram of like 0.036 K followers. And I'm 32 about to be 33 tomorrow. And I have no fucking clue how to work that work the goddamn like to, Make it worth it. My fucking cat has more followers than I do on Instagram. <laughs> like, what? I just don't bother with it. That's how so, a lot of people are. <laughs> so, Spencer, one question I kind of have is um, when you get, like, because obviously you've done pretty well with, like, different types of rumors and putting them out there and being right. Um, kind of what's your process in terms of gathering that information, whether it be from uh, the player themselves or whichever, whoever your source is? Like, what's your process of getting that information, kind of filtering it through uh, the proper avenues and then putting it out there for the world to consume? Because, like, as you know, like I saw on your Instagram earlier, like, if you put something out there, it's out there. People screenshot it, and they're ready to come at you if, like, Mm -hmm. something doesn't work out. So kind of what's your process? Yeah, Bacon Wire is is learning that lesson right now. (laughs) That's been – Brett, that's great you brought that point because I'm, like, I don't think things through half the time where 
I put a stupid thing out the other week and I shouldn't have done it. I was like, when those Tillman rumors were coming out, I was like, I'm 100% confident I wouldn't post that. And someone screenshotted it. So I know once if he decides to go to the draft, I'm going to get held hostage for that. But, <laughs> but to be honest, though, like a lot of the rumors, I don't really put out as much because when I used to do that, you know, people would be like, they'd bitch. Like, oh, what are you doing that? What, like, why are you doing that? But now when I do it, I'll just say like, you know, whatever it is, like tag, tag the player so-and-so, like, so they know it's legit. Like if the person said it, so it's not like me just saying sources, then everyone's like, you know, what sources? That's kind of what I learned, um, especially with that fickle thing. Oh, my God. Oh, like, that was that was brutal for everybody. Yep. I mean, I, I, I just – because uh, it wasn't Jim Comp. I don't remember who told me. And there was – of... Well, I'm sorry, what did you say? Nothing. It was a joke because I don't know if you remember, Comp was getting sources about fickle <laughs> either, like, coming to MSU from a Snapchat account and then later it was, he's definitely not coming from some Snapchat account. So I, I, think, throw that, I throw that barb in every, every time I hear it. I, I think the thing was, it was a, a friend of Fickle's son. His son, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was his Snapchat account. Someone was Snapchat friends with Fickle's son. And they, <laughs> and they posted. I had to throw it in. Yeah, no. I mean, Jim's a great – he's a good guy. Like, I, I've talked to him a few times, but I could just tell by talking to him he's very old school. Like, the way he just, like, says things, I'm like, all right. But, yeah, even – um, yeah, just – but for the rumor thing, like, yeah, you got to be careful. Like, yeah, especially on the Instagram because I'll get – I had this group chat. It was called the Flick Chat. And I had to, I had to get off of it because – Mainly, no one's probably heard this, but it was, it was with the button thing. How everyone was like, "Oh, on Twitter, like I ruined it." And the one, the one guy was right who told me, he was like, "Oh, you botched the button IG live." And I told him, "Like I never was in that live, so I didn't botch it." But right. I remember Button texted me that night, all pissed off. Oh, you're telling these guys rumors, and I'm like, "Dude, like I never said these." Like, and the guy he did the IG live with that Real Studios guy, who he's very good. Um, yeah. he ended up being in that live and he backed me up. He's like, dude, button just said all these things in the live. And after that, I realized I'm like, you can't say nothing because people jump all over you. So I, I, I guess I could say I'm trying, I'm trying to improve with that, but it's a, it's a long process. Hmm. No, that's a, that's a great point. I definitely agree. Is like, as bacon wires become a little bit more serious and we put out things out there. We've definitely had to be more careful with how we source things. But like you said, kind of with the button Instagram live, like I remember he did the the live with uh, Brio where they're kind of playing video games and just kind of talking. And then yeah. later that night, probably like one or two in the morning, button got on with another prospect, like another yeah. recruit. And they were just talking. And I mean, button was going on and on, just ripping the university of Michigan, ripping the coaching staff, <laughs> rip, ripping Harbaugh. And I mean, he's putting these things out there himself. And then yeah. when he gets the backlash, it seems like, somehow you became like the sticking board for him to be like, Oh, why, why would he say this? Why would he say this? Like, no, it's like, dude, you're the one just like mouthing off on Instagram. Like you got to take personal responsibility for that. And I mean, we're in a day and age where people don't necessarily want to put the onus on the player. They always want to kind of find like a deflection. And like, it seems like you were the victim of that. And then, I mean, Bacon wire is becoming the victim of kind of this Anthony thing right now. So, oh, I mean, it's just, it's kind of just like, it's kind of like a circle of life of the internet. That's just mm -hmm. how things work. 
Yeah, and Budden, Budden's a really nice guy. Like, I had no mm-hmm. issue with him. He came on my podcast. He was cool. But what I've noticed about him is he didn't want anything getting out. Like, one thing where he would spaz out. Um, I remember, I, you know, I was excited for the podcast. I was like, all right. And I'm, I'm kidding you not. Like, I've never been more thrown off in a podcast. Like, I remember I had, like, six great questions lined up. I'm like, all right, this is going to be a good one. And he literally had to have answered every one in three words. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> shit. You know what I mean? Like, this is going to be a four-minute one. Like, and I, I didn't yeah. care. But like, you know, when, when Andrew came on, he, he answered everyone thoroughly. But that's what I got off the button. But I don't know. I, w- I wish we would have got him. But that was a big, tough miss for Michigan State, I think. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I don't want to kind of – I don't want to speculate, but I'm going to anyway. I think part of the reason you chose Penn State is because of kind of that factor that you had James Franklin come into the state of Michigan and take all these guys. He took the King brothers. Uh, he mm-hmm. took uh, Jalen Reed. And I think when Michigan, I don't know if they pulled the offer from him or just flat out stopped recruiting him. I think he took yeah. that personally. So instead yep. of coming to Michigan State where he's going to have more of an opportunity to play and be the guy on defense, he was able to go to Penn State with the other kids from uh, – that he's played against, played with. So he's mm-hmm. able to kind of build that foundation at Penn State with them and kind of look at Harbaugh and be like, all right, you should have recruited me. When he Penn State goes in there and beats him down the next couple of years. Yeah, I yeah. think – sorry to cut you off, Spencer, but no. the other thing too is uh, Belleville was a Michigan pipeline for like a long time. Yep. And Harbaugh did one of his classic like – like offer and then pull the offer things <laughs> with the Belleville player. And the coach basically said, I'm never sending another player to the university of Michigan. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that's kind of resonated with some of the, with some of the, uh, with some of the kids who come out of Belleville high, you know, I, I have a buddy who lives in Belleville and, you know, he's, and, you know, his, his girlfriend still goes to Belleville high and, you know, his girlfriend, not his girlfriend, his girlfriend's brother. That could have been real bad. <laughs> his, his girlfriend's, his girlfriend graduated college. They're fine. Shout out, shout out to you, Lunder. I know you're listening. Uh, no, uh, but, and, you know, he said that, you know, it's Michigan's, a, Michigan's treated with nothing but hostility out of that program. Yeah. So I think, I think in the case of Button, I wasn't that surprised because I think Button looked at it from a perspective of who's going to give me the best opportunity to beat the shit out of Michigan. Yeah. And, you know, as, as much as I would like, I would like that place to be Michigan state. It just isn't right now. Yeah. Got a for long way to go. Reasons. And you know, Penn state's probably Penn state's the place to go. If you want to beat the shit. I mean, Ohio state's the place to go. If you really want to beat the shit out of Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> Guaranteed four and overs, Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, the only thing I would say is, like, I'm not a huge fan of Harbaugh, but I definitely will give him, like, the benefit of the doubt. Like, I don't believe for one minute they pulled Budden's scholarship there. I think that's just Budden, like, pissed off and shit because I think they wanted him to commit earlier than he did. I think that was the whole big where the war started. And he didn't want it. I don't blame him. I wouldn't want to commit that early either. But – yeah, I mean, I, it's unfortunate because, like you said, um, he's that's the thing is, like, he's probably going to have to sit at redshirt at least at Penn State, where here he could – I mean, I don't I don't really think we have any great linebackers outside of Simmons. And I know Noah Harvey's 
but he's even a junior. So, yeah, it's it's unfortunate. That one kind of stung more than Anthony, in my opinion. Yeah, I, you know, I, I guess, I guess my next question is, you know, where where do we go from where do we go from here? You know, like what's the what's the next step for Tucker and for the staff and for this class? Cause we do have, we do have some great cornerstones, but you know, like you said, this recruiting class is a little light on the defensive line and mm-hmm. you know, that's going to, we're going to be pretty shallow at that coming up. So like, what's the, what's the way forward now? And that's, that's basically what every Michigan state fans asking right now. And I'm even trying to find, I'm looking through like who we've offered and all that. And, I'm going to say this. I don't think we're going to take a wide receiver now. I don't think we're going to – I mean, I don't know who else we've offered, but, I mean, we offered a few guys from Texas, but I think they already committed. Um, but it's got to be – I mean, I, I just – I wish they would prioritize – I know they are, but some of the under-the-radar guys in the Midwest. And he's not doing that right now, but um, you're going you're gonna to look at recruits like, you know, Gina Vandermark, who's a four-star offensive lineman out of New Jersey. His teammate, four-star running back, Audric Estime. Like I said, I think they're going to come visit next month if all goes as planned, according to Kevin, who talks to him like every day. Um, and then, I, like I mentioned, Roquan Buckley earlier, the three-star defensive line. He's got to be a priority. I think he's 50-50 with us in Nebraska. But if you look, Michigan, Michigan was high on Murley, but they've taken a lot. They're going to probably take Benny over him, I would say. Um, and then I, I mean, I really don't know outside of that. It's shitty as it sounds. We only have 12 guys committed. Like he's probably going to take 20 something, I assume. Um, but I don't know. I mean, those are some of the guys right now I can name off the top of my head or, oh, and like Stefan Johnson, you guys have probably heard of him. The yeah, guy from, that he committed from Rutgers, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't Mike, know about how much really, but yeah. Yeah. Then, like, Michael Mislinski, I mean, he's oh, coming yeah. down to his decision. And, I mean, a lot of crystal balls are for Texas, but it seems like those don't necessarily hold a ton of weight and just more mm-hmm. so educated guesses more than insider info. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he was here a couple weeks ago, so hopefully um, that helps the decision. It's just <laughs> – yeah, I don't, like, Spencer, I don't know where they're going to go. Like, I mean, it would be really great to have the kids from New Jersey come here and really establish that pipeline and kind of get into Rutgers uh, ecosystem of recruits. But it's tough. I mean, if they're supposed to visit here in a week or two, and I think uh, Kevin Wigington is going to visit for the first time as well. So I don't Mm -hmm. know if they're lining up all three of them to be on campus. Well, the program isn't lining it up, but the individual uh, people, if they're trying to line that up. Yeah. I I forgot about Miss Linsky. He's obviously very underrated. If you mm-hmm. just look at the offer sheet, I mean, he's got Oregon, Florida State, Texas, Iowa. But, yeah, I don't know where he's going to go. I, I know Kevin told me he did like Iowa, but obviously they told him, I think, like, you know, you're going to have to sit a year or two. Um, but, yeah, the new, I mean, Audrey did tell me he was going to visit. I think he said two weeks or three weeks. But with the corona thing, who knows, honestly. And, yeah, I mean – and, I mean, someone else told me, which is just shit. I don't know how they heard these rumors that uh, Andrew was going to be one of the hosts. Obviously, that's not going to happen now. But, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know where these guys heard this shit. But, yeah. It's crazy. I mean, then, like, 
I don't, I kind of want to pivot just for a second, but on the complete other end of the recruiting spectrum, you have Michigan State basketball, who is just like, I mean, they're like Steph Curry hot from three right now, where they just absolutely cannot miss. Uh-huh. And the really next domino to fall is going to be Jaden Akins. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, do you, I mean, everyone feels pretty confident about him. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think his decision is going to be happening sooner rather than later? I know, like, his AAU handlers, as people refer to them as, are kind of wanting him to delay his decision as long as possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I do. At, first off, I do think it's going to be happening soon. I just got off the phone with, you know, the basketball guy I always talk to, and he's, he's still telling me early August. So I'm going to say that, even though Aikens is, like, budding, like, he doesn't want anything getting out there. So he's yeah. not going to – I don't even know if he's going to announce when he's committing. But I don't even – yeah, I don't know what that whole, you know, the handlers and stuff you're talking about, like, I think it, he was just probably waiting to see if he got more offers. Um, but obviously with AAU getting canceled, I think he's realized that's not going to happen. Like the offers are going to have to come from coaches watching film and all that. But, yeah, I, I'm pretty hopeful that he's going to be making the decision. Obviously I'm predicting Michigan State in early August, I think. So this, great news. you know, this 2021 class on its own is – incredible Mm -hmm. you know with you know with you know I think I think we're all I think the common consensus is that Bauchi's gonna gonna reclassify Mm -hmm. just because he's gonna be a little older you know Canadians go to high school a little later yep yep and um you know Imani is still up in the air you know um I kind of want to get your thoughts I know the family has said you know, he's going to be facing a higher level of competition this upcoming season. Mm-hmm. If, you know, whenever the next season happens and, you know, mm-hmm. if they feel it's too easy, quote unquote, yeah. then he'll reclassify. You know, what is your, you know, what, what's your gut instinct as someone who knows, as someone who knows basketball a little bit? Like, what is your, what's your thought process? Well, I've always felt since day one that, I just can't see him going to the G League. Like, if I was the number one – I mean, I know it's easier said than done, but I just – I mean, I wouldn't even waste my time doing the G League. But then again, you got to look at, like, these guys aren't getting paid in college. So, I think it all comes down – I think it's called the NLI rule, the national – wherever I don't even – can't think of what name it's called. Name and image likeness. There we go. I could not think of it right now. But the name image likeness rule where it would allow college athletes to – you know, profit off their image and likeness. If that gets passed, then absolutely. Why wouldn't you come reclassify in 2021? But if it doesn't, then it's like, all right, what do you, what, you know, it's out of pure love for him to come to MSU early, basically. And I think Boachi, his decisions, in my opinion, it's all on Imani Bates. If Bates says he's reclassifying, I think 100% he's going to come, like you said. But if Bates says we'll stay in the class, 2022 class, I, I don't think Bellacci would have any issue just staying in there. Um, but, I mean, I also could see him reclassifying. But if that happens, you got to think, like, all right, we're going to have, you know, big one big or two transfer. But, yeah, that's my whole thing on it. Like, I do want him – I think he, can, he will reclassify Bates. But I'm also not, like, you know, like jumping to conclusions yet. I'm, I'm still waiting to see, like – like you mentioned, if the high school season even happens. Um, so, yeah, that's what I think on it. Yeah, I mean, my whole thing about the G League is, like, the 
the way the G League Academy sounds to me, and you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the the G League Academy sounds like like they're just like stashed away in the in a gym for a year. They're yeah. not actually playing in the G League. Uh-huh. They're training. And yeah. you know, I think, you know, based on the kind of comps Amani has been getting mm-hmm. to NBA players. You know, they look at something like the Bates family looks at someone like Zion, right? Mm-hmm. Who have people have said he's made like eighty million dollars from endorsements. You know, he's yeah. upped his value just by those seven months at Duke. Uh huh. Right, and you know, I think you know the Bates family is obviously pretty savvy to just create a prep academy. Mm-hmm. Out of, you know, and, you know, I think they're, they're kind of going to look at this as a chestnut checker situation. Mm-hmm. You know, I personally, my personal feeling, and, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that if the one and done rule is, is eliminated in the next CBA, he's going to the NBA. Yeah. Otherwise he's going to come, he's going to come to MSU. That, that's, but, my, that's yeah, my but, yeah, I agree with you. And I was going to say too, like, you know, if, if you ask people, is he going to stay or what's going to happen, don't go outside of any fan, other fan base because they'll tell you every reason of why he's not going to come. But, yeah, for your point on the NBA, like, the one and done, but, like, to me it's like, how are they going to get that passed? Like, Silver's got much bigger issues right now. Like, mm-hmm. making sure this season happens as a success. Um, you know, the draft getting delayed, all this stuff. Like, I think that's the least of his concerns right now although it's probably going to be a main concern in a few years to come. No, I think that's a great point just because, I mean, Woj, he's been kind of saying for a little while now that this rule is probably not going to change the one and done rule as it's currently written. It's probably not going to change till 2025 ish. Um, Really the one rule that it's probably going to get tweaked is the, uh, where you have to turn 19 in the year you're eligible for the draft. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, if that's not changed, then Amani is kind of stuck in a weird spot because he could come to Michigan State for the 2021 year and still not be able to go pro. So then he'd exactly. have a decision to make there. But ultimately, I think that, I think that rule is going to get tweaked. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's where he's either going to come to Michigan State for a year and kind of get that year of experience of playing near pro ball, or he's going to stay in high school or prep league for two years, then bolt off. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I just, to me, it's like these guys have to be getting, you know, no disrespect to the G League, but like even Calipari called it out. And I'm not a big fan of Calipari, but he's right when he talks about that. Like, I just don't think it's beneficial for Bates. Like, he doesn't, no. I, like, yeah, it's, it's a lot of money, but like, you know, it is. But then, like, you, ri- you can risk, I don't know. I feel like a lot of distractions being a 17 year old go to the G League. Like, you never know, like, not staying at home. Like, but, I just wish they would just buckle up and the NCAA would be like, we're going to pay these guys. If that mm-hmm. happened, I promise you, none of these guys would be going overseas. Like, I, I just – I hate it. I hate it when I see guys go to the G League because it's like – and I mean, not that, like, it's like, you know, I'm like – I don't know how the word to even use. Like, oh, they're not playing the college basketball. But it's like, if they would just pay these guys, none of these guys would doing that, be doing that route, I believe. Yeah, and the NCAA doesn't even, do, even need to pay them, right? Like – all they need to do is say, like, yeah, you can sell autographs. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I hate that rule, though. I, I, I hate that rule, dude. Like, selling – to me, that's, like, 
I don't know. I feel like to me that would be like considered like a sellout. Like you need the like I would rather have like them put the names on the jerseys and sell them to the stadium and then make money. Well, you know yes. I mean? I, and, you know, also stuff like that, you know, like selling ads on their Instagram stories or like yeah. being a partner Twitch streamer or like having a monetized YouTube channel. Uh-huh. You know, I think that's, I think that's what we're talking about when that's what I'm talking about when, you know, we're talking about stuff like NLI, you know, I still think people are saying like, well, what's stopping a booster from paying players to come to schools? And I think the question we all have to ask ourselves is, what the fuck is stopping them now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't even mind when they pay them, but, like, I just wish they wouldn't do it under the table. Like, that's, like, the shittiest thing to me is, like, they just got to come up with a rule where, like, some kind of agreement, whether it's, you know, the, more, the better players get a little bit more, I don't know, something. Base they got salaries. <laughs> exactly like I, I i mean like the better players like zion would have probably been pissed like if he was making the same as like you know no offense but like steven Izzo. you know what i mean like that wouldn't be that would be stupid like if they made that rule where like everyone gets 50 grand a year or something we're looking I, at you kansas yeah I, <laughs> I saw something that i think is really interesting where you know NLI kicks in, right? Everyone can make money doing their own thing, podcasting, YouTube channels, whatever. But every single, you know, Power Five or Division One player gets a check from EA Sports, and that's how you bring NCAA football back. Exactly. Uh, Even cut, basketball. Even yeah, you, you, cut, you cut every player that you want in the game a $1,000 check, and you uh-huh. go, come here, send us your photo, we'll upload it into the game, and then that's how you get NCAA football back. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can assure you, I would have been pissed if they had that game and I wasn't making a dollar off it. You know, I would, I, I can agree with those guys like bitching about that stuff. I would have been oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially with the people who make the the dead, the online rosters and constantly update them, and I think they're still updating them for NCAA fourteen, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Yeah, I haven't played them in a while, but I'm pretty sure they are. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Spencer, uh, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure, you know, to kind of talk this, this crazy last few hours out with you. Uh, you know, where, where can the people find you? Where can the people hear you? Yeah, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Spencer Dial with the dial being like D-Y-L-E, like the phone dial. And you can follow me by Instagram at MSU Sports Zone. Um, just hit over 14K, which is – very good and awesome. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, man. Thanks, man. Thanks for coming on. Awesome. All right. Big thank you to Spencer Dial for coming in and chopping it up with us about recruiting. Now, here's our talk with Carter Landis about the NBA restart. All right. We now welcome on Carter Landis. Uh, Carter, how you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? Oh, you know, just, just just peachy keen. So the NBA season starts tomorrow. You're Bacon Warriors resident NBA guy. So uh, let's talk about it. Uh, what's what's going to need to happen for the Lakers to not win the title this year? What's going to need to happen is basically why Leonard is going to exist. Um, I've kind of thought that LeBron and the Lakers were going to go to the uh, finals, but Kawhi 
Paul George, that super deep slipper team, one of you know, and one of the best coaching jobs by Doc Rivers is uh, standing in their way. Um, I think the Lakers as an overall team after LeBron and Anthony Davis, obviously those two are huge difference makers and they really are the difference. Uh, the, the, the talent level compared to the Clippers dropped off. However, I feel like LeBron has a mission. LeBron really wants to prove that he is still the top dog in the league and he wants to get back to the finals. And in year, I think this is 17, he was averaging like 27 points and close to 11 assists. Um, the Lakers are actually my team that I think is going to come out of the West just because LeBron is so determined to win it. So you, you know, you follow basketball a lot more closely than, than I do. I don't follow basketball. Um, right now, I mean, at least from the stuff I'm reading and from the way you're talking, it sounds like a, like a two horse race between the Lakers and the Clippers, you know, um, is there anyone out of the East who you could see who you could see competing with those guys, or is it just going to come down to is it going to come down to whoever wins that Lakers Clippers series is going is the de facto champion? I think that there's two teams out East that could really challenge either of the Lakers or the Clippers. Obviously, the Milwaukee Bucks are having one of the you know top seasons like ever in terms of their record, in terms of their offensive efficiency. They're so deep in every position, and they have, you know, obviously Giannis is that MVP guy having a historic season. He should be the MVP, I think, kind of run away too. Um, Chris Middleton's really good. They have good guard depth with Eric Bledsoe. I think Dante DiVincenzo from Villanova, that, you know, the guy who cooked Michigan a few years ago, he's really good. They also have – some other – I can't really remember everybody on their team, but their team is really deep right now. Um, a while ago, I had a bold prediction that the Toronto Raptors were going to beat the Bucks again. But uh, I kind of backtracked on that a little bit just because I kind of forgot about how historic the season that the Bucks were having, and it kind of looks like they're just destroying everything in their path. But I do want to give the Raptors a little bit of shine right now because they – they were the champions last year and they were having a better season before the season shut down than they did last year when they won the championship. Uh, the, the Raptors are super awesome. They have a great coach in Nick nurse who should pro who could win rookie of the year. He may or may not. I'm not entirely sure. They have Kyle Lowry, who is, I think always dependable. He was super clutch last year to title in that game six. Uh, Pascal Siakam is one of the brightest young stars in the league. Super talented forward who can do it all. Uh, they have good depth as well with, like, Fred Van Vliet. Uh, their GM, Masai Ujiri, is so good at finding talent. Like, he found Terrence Davis, 27, back in 2016. Uh, they have this undrafted sharpshooter named Matt Thomas. These guys are really good, not to mention guys like Serge Ibaka are on that team. So they're going to be tough. They're going to be a tough out if the Bucks and the Raptors meet up again. Um, I wouldn't be so quick to crown the Bucks the champs of the East just yet. I, I one thing that I do know is that when the Raptors were having their success last year with with Kawhi Leonard and you know kind of having Siakam be a major role player in that championship team and having 
Van Vliet kind of be this spark plug off the bench was that they're one of the few teams that actually utilized their G League team, their G League affiliate as like an actual farm system versus a virtual tax write-off. Um, do you think that's something that other teams in the league are going to start doing? Yeah. Masai Ujiri is kind of a trailblazer, I think. Like, he is so, so good at finding talent. Like, that's why all these – that's a good idea. Um, using the G League teams as kind of like your farm system, I'm not sure why that hasn't been done right now, um, especially with how the league um, and the farming talent is going to start to go because of, you know, guys like Jalen Green and Isaiah Todd – those types of guys are skipping playing college and going right to either the G league or some sort of other league. Um, if the NBA can dip into that and maybe get some of those guys on future contracts or whatnot, I think a lot of guys could, I think a lot of teams actually will start to do that. I think that makes a lot of sense. I really like that idea. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about the bubble. Um, you know, okay. I think it was an idea that, you know, it was obviously ridiculed at first. You know, there's all these pictures of, like, the food and, you know, mm-hmm. like, these people, you know, uh, Center for the Kings, I forgot his name. He, like, he broke quarantine to go get a seamless order, right? You know, Lou oh, yeah, Will, yeah, yeah. you know, Lou Will, obviously. Yeah, but, Holmes. you know, the bubble, mm-hmm. the bubble is showing results in that there hasn't been a positive test from anybody in the bubble in, in, over, in over, you know, two weeks. Um, you know, what role is the bubble going to play? Not so much right now, but like later in the season when, you know, these guys are kind of, when they feed off momentum in like these Eastern conference finals and even these NBA finals matchups. Yeah. So yeah, the bubble was a brilliant idea. And I think it's unfortunate that a lot of other sports leagues aren't really going to be able to use it because like the NFL has way too many players on rosters. Even if you cut it down, that's still a huge amount that they can't, you know, use. Um, The bubble really was a really good idea from Adam Silver. And I think how it goes forward is I think they'll follow that same protocol. They might even go a little bit more strict as this season winds down and they're trying to, um, you know, keep the season going. They don't want to shut it down once it's gotten as, as serious and real down to it as it's going to be. So I think that going forward, they're probably going to tighten up on some rules, I would think. Uh, the good thing, though, is that there hasn't been any positive tests. But, yeah, I think that the bubble could get more strict uh, once the season – once we get more into the playoffs and towards the conference finals. Um, in terms of how players or teams that are eliminated is going to go, I believe they are sent home. They go through the protocol, and then they can go back home. Uh, but as it stands, I think that the bubble will – the bubble could take a different sort of shape, I guess, as things happen. But, um, yeah, I think right now it's pretty good, and I think that it will get a lot stronger going forward. So – one of the teams in the bubble is the Utah Jazz, correct? They're they're in they're in the bubble, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Rudy Gobert, how is he going to be treated? 
<laughs> yeah, um, he's already not being treated so well by his own teammates. I, I saw something the other the other day that uh, him and Donovan Mitchell are still having a rift because both those guys want to be the guy in Utah. Um, it's been a pretty long time since Rudy Gobert's whole touching all the microphones and then being pretty much the first player, basically patient zero of COVID for the NBA. Um, I'm sure a lot of guys won't really mind when it comes to him, especially because he's such a dominant player. So, you know, good luck really kind of trying to go at him. But um, I'm sure there's a lot, there's some players that have a grudge against him. I don't know who could, but Rudy Gobert is not a guy to um, hide his emotions or, you know, not be outspoken. Um, I am kind of curious to see, uh, down the line, maybe beyond this season, how the Jazz treat the rift between Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, who they decide to give a contract to, because I think that they'll both need, you know, they'll both want max contracts or super maxes when the time comes. I believe Mitchell's is pretty soon, or he has a player option of some kind. But yeah, I'm sure some NBA players are probably pretty upset with Gobert, but uh, I'm sure they've forgiven him by now. So I think uh, one, of the, one of the more interesting teams to me coming into the bubble are the Boston Celtics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that they're, you know, they have a lot of talent. They have a talented young coach. And I saw their betting odds, you know, the betting odds first got published mm-hmm. for the bubble um, about a month or so ago. And I texted one of my friends who lives in Boston. I'm like, give me a reason, and a, give me a reason why I should and a reason why I shouldn't put $200 on the Celtics to win the title. And he was like, Brad Stevens is a choker, but he might not choke this time. (laughs) You know, like, what are some of the things the Celtics need to do to get over the hump? Well, I know that Kemba is not entirely healthy. Um, He sat out of the last few games before the season shut down, and he said that that foot is still nagging, but they're going to need him to be 100% and playing pretty well. And they're going to need continued growth from Jalen Brown. But And I think they were already doing this. Um, they need to fully hand the keys over to Jason Tatum because he is one of the brightest young players in the league. He has such a crafty offensive game. He's an improving defensive player. He's going to be the future star. He's going to be the cornerstone. He's going to be the face of that franchise. Uh, their big man play is not great. I believe they start Daniel Tice at center. Uh, and he's like 6'8", so they're playing small ball. And, yeah, the thing about uh, Brad Stevens being a choker has kind of been, I guess, in some ways accurate. Like last year I kind of thought, oh, the Bucks are going to, you know, the Bucks are going to struggle with the Celtics, but they really didn't. Um, I think it comes down to what Jason Tatum has for the Celtics. What – what – can he be that guy at such a young age? I believe this is like his third year in the league. He's 21 or 22. Can he be that guy at the next level? If they want to get over the hump and they have to, you know, if they want to compete with Giannis or the Toronto Raptors, Tatum's going to need to make, he already made a huge jump in like February. He was averaging like 30 points for the month, but he's going to need to maintain that and maybe even take a step beyond. Cause I think it runs through Jason Tatum for the Celtics. But they are, yeah. But I do think they are one of those teams that you should put some money down on because there's a there's a shot. I think they're being a little bit overlooked because they're a real quality team. 
you know, you bring up that the Lakers and the, and the Clippers are really, it's a two horse weight race in the West, but you know, I, I've seen a lot of NBA people, you know, kind of speak up in the last couple of weeks and say, you know, don't count out Houston. Um, what, what is it about Houston that gives these writers so much confidence? Uh, Houston is that team that is either it's going to go completely well and they're going to destroy every single team in the league, doesn't matter who it is, or it's going to be an absolute disaster just because of the the chemistry of two very explosive figures in James Harden and Russell Westbrook. If those two are both on their games at the same time, that's a tough team for anyone. They do have a good team around them. Eric Gordon is somebody that can go off for – 20 points or he could go off for or not go off at all and have like five points and be a complete liability on offense and Mike D'Antoni is the definition of live and die by the three at this point in his career I think he has been before but I think at this point we're kind of the twilight of the D'Antoni years but I think the thing that entices writers so much is the fact that this the Houston Rockets are just complete boom or bust if they are on they're on knocking down all their threes, playing good defense. If Russell Westbrook and James Harden are both locked in, uh, they do have a small ball lineup that did get a little bit of attention because they were starting PJ Tucker at center. Uh, they do have a lot of good shooters and a lot of good wings. They really lack that big man ever since they traded Clint Capella. They're a team that can give people problems. I think that that is true. Um, it just depends on, they've done it in the past where they've just completely gone cold but those were against those Golden State Warrior teams that you can never count out. Um, and they have been unlucky. And I think that's another thing is they've been unlucky is because they were a game away from taking down Golden State and going to the finals and probably would have won a championship back in 2018. And this team, I think with Russell Westbrook and James Harden, is probably better than that team in 2018. But I guess we'll see if those, you know, if, if – Harden and Westbrook are locked in. Everything else will fall in line. If they're knocking down their threes, they can definitely give the Clippers or Lakers some problems. All right. I want you right now, I want to, I want to hear, um, you know, this, this bubble reminds me a lot of the NCAA tournament. So, you know, it's a lot of, it's going to be a lot of do or die games. Um, it's going to be compressed. It's going to be high stakes. You know, who, who's going to be, what team do you think is most likely to cause chaos in the bubble? You know, someone who's going to go deeper than maybe they're not supposed to, someone who's maybe on the outside of the playoff pitcher who sneaks in and then goes on a run? They're very young, but I do like the Pelicans a lot. Uh, with Zion coming back, I mean, they played the Lakers so tough, and Zion put up 35 points on that team uh, real early in March. They have – uh, they have Lonzo Ball, who is a guy who can do basically everything for you. Not a fantastic scorer, very efficient scorer, but he can defend really well for a guard. He's really good at running their tempo. He's good at rebounding, good at making plays. And then they also have Brandon Ingram, who is a guy who can go get his own bucket, similar to Jason Tatum. He's really kind of emerged this year because the guys who were in the Lakers before that got traded to really flourish under a real coach. Uh, yeah, they do have some good vets too, like uh, Derek Favors for the big man position. They have uh, J.J. Redick, who is their sharpshooter. I think they have all the pieces. They're really young right now, but I think in the future they're going to be a really tough team in the West. 
Um, also, I wouldn't. I would say don't count out Portland either because they were a team that struggled with some guys being injured. And I know Dame. I'm. I think Damian Lillard is in the bubble. I'm not entirely sure if he was sitting out or not. Uh, but if he and CJ are both playing, they also just got Yusuf Nurkic back, who is one of the better big men in the league. Uh, they also have Hassan Whiteside, one of the best shot blockers in the league. I know Portland's a little bit back of Memphis, but if Dame and CJ are on, that's a team that should be a mid-level playoff team compared to a team that, I mean, they were in the Western Conference Finals last year. So if they can get healthy and they can be consistent, then they should be a team that should probably make some noise. They could get that eighth spot. Um, Memphis is in the eighth spot right now, but I think anything can happen. And I think that's partly why this bubble is going to be so successful is because these games are going to be so uh, intense down the stretch. It's going to be pretty cool to watch. Yeah. So, you know, just from a more, just from a more big picture perspective, you know, um, how, what, how is this going to affect next year, you know, schedule wise? Because obviously I believe that the NBA finals, like if everything goes as planned and there's no, there's no hiccups and every game is played at the scheduled time, I believe the season is slated to end sometime around October. And obviously yeah, the, yeah. and obviously like the NBA, the next NBA season, like the NBA season starts in October. So What's the schedule looking like for 2020, 2021? They would end, if they end in October, around the 16th or 17th, I think, uh, they would start the season on December 1st of 2020. And that is pretty early. However, they have had essentially an off-season off. It's It's a really kind of wonky schedule. Um, they would start on the 1st of December. I don't know how well that would work because I think that even then it would still be pretty tiring, I guess, because you'd only have, I don't know, almost two months off, not entirely two months off. Depending on, you know, what teams make the playoffs and who doesn't, because there's going to be one team that doesn't make the playoffs in the East, and then there's like five or so I think that won't in the West. Uh, I think it just depends for the schedule on who plays when. And I think that it's probably going to be a shorter offseason for the Clippers, the Lakers, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Toronto Raptors. Those teams have the shots at winning a title, um, but those are the best teams that will probably be in the best shape to be ready to go uh, on December 1st. Um, I think that in terms of this could be a good thing just because they've been going, you know, they're in the flow of playing basketball. They'll get back into the flow of playing basketball then they'll have you know two months off but it won't be too strenuous this you know this few months of basketball and then they'll be mostly refreshed and ready to go so I think it's it's interesting to experiment that it would start on December 1st but I guess we'll find that out and is is the plan to start back in the bubble or are they going to try to reintroduce travel I don't know if even the league knows right now. Um, I think that it could really go either way because we don't really know, you know, what the world and our country especially is going to look like in the next few months. But I think it, if the NBA wants to play it safe, they probably should. Well, because <laughs> if they're going to leave, then they're going to come back. They would have to come back to the bubble. So I think that's something that the league 
has to figure out soon. I think that's a good, you know, that's a good thing to think about. I haven't thought about that yet. Um, my guess is I think they would try to travel. And if that didn't work, then they might take some time off and then try to go back into the bubble, maybe late January or February, and then maybe have a semblance of a normal schedule after that. But I guess we'll see. All right, Carter, let's come to this. Who is okay. winning the title? I think that LeBron James will get his fourth title. I will say it that I think the Lakers are going to win. I think that LeBron will have his guys ready to go in the playoffs. I just think that you'll see a games from LeBron. Of course, you'll see, uh, you'll see Anthony Davis be as dominant as he usually is. You'll have guys like Kyle Kuzma and Danny Green stepping up. Now they just got some more players in uh, J.R. Smith, LeBron's old buddy, and Deion Waiters are back. And LeBron is just determined uh, this is going to be his fourth championship. Uh, before the season ended, there was a Lakers-Bucks game, and LeBron and the Lakers just made the Bucks look clueless down the stretch. So if the Bucks and the Lakers meet again, I do like the Lakers. I really like the Lakers against either the Bucks or the Raptors coming out of the East. But, yeah, I got the Lakers no matter what. Brett, uh, we're having some technical difficulties, but, you know, what are, what are your thoughts on this upcoming NBA season? Yeah, I mean, looking at kind of what's going to be happening with the bubble, I think it's going to be an incredible viewing experience for us fans. Um, I really think that this is going to be the one time where we're going to see some different upsets come up, uh, happen. I mean, Utah, they're going to be uh, a high-ranked seed. I think they're on upset alert for sure especially as Carter mentioned with the internal drama of kind of Corona gate and how Rudy Gobert was, uh, or as people on NBA Twitter like to call him baguette Biombo, um, <laughs> going around touching everything and infecting the team. So no, I mean, I'm, I'm really excited for, uh, everything that's going to be happening with the NBA coming up. Um, I agree with Carter's assessment that really there's only two teams in the East that really kind of, uh, tip the scale for me and that's going to be Toronto and Milwaukee. I do. I mean, I really want to go with Milwaukee there. I'm going to go with Toronto. I just really like the, the system that they have. I, they have that experience of obviously winning the championship last year and then coming out of the West, I'm going to go with the Clippers. Um, I mean, as much as I'd like to see kind of the Lakers complete the season with a championship, especially with to get LeBron as fourth and obviously uh, for Kobe Bryant, um, Mm-hmm. That would be an awesome story. But at the same time, I think the Clippers, they just have the depth that I really haven't seen in quite some time. Not even – I mean, you look at the Warriors teams, that was so top-heavy. This team is absolutely stacked. I mean, you have Kawhi Leonard, who, who's just a, a robot killer. You have Paul George, who playoff P, who hasn't really earned the self-titled nickname. But right. I think he's going to get there soon. Then, obviously, you have Lou Will, uh, Montres Harrell. I mean, this team is so – Patrick Beverly, this team is so stacked. Um, I'm really looking forward to the Western Conference Finals. And then ultimately, I do think that the Clippers are going to win their first championship and kind of get that giant monkey off their back of being the joke team in L.A. and the joke team of the NBA. This is, this is my final question for both of you. Mm-hmm. Um, whoever wins the title, whether it be the Clippers, Lakers, Bucks, anybody, are you going to put an asterisk next, next to it? I wouldn't. Um, I think the circumstances are even more strange than they would be in a usual NBA season. So I feel like whoever does win the title uh, has really earned it. Um, 
And to me, I don't really think that, I mean, the circumstances are different in some senses, but in a basketball sense, they're really not. I mean, you got 10, you know, you got 10 guys on a court and that's what it comes down to. I think that no matter, you know, no matter where that is, uh, that's, you know, you're playing basketball and you're showing off, you know, who the best team is on the court. So I wouldn't put an asterisk by it. In fact, I would say, like, with all the strange things going on, that that team has really earned it more so than I think they could have if it was a regular season. Brett, what are yeah, your thoughts? I, yeah, I know what I, I agree with Carter, but I'm going to pull out Lee Corso and say not so fast, my friend, because <laughs> the only way I'm going to put an asterisk on this is in a doomsday scenario you have a team like the Lakers, let's say LeBron and Anthony Davis both get coronavirus. And then you have the team, let's say they get them the Western Conference Finals and the Clippers go on to win it all. Uh, I mean, the title is definitely going to mean something. But at the same time, if you have a team that's decimated by positive tests, it's hard for me not to uh, – I mean, the title is still going to count. You're still going to mm-hmm. raise a banner. But in terms of a fan's perspective, it's going to be something that you look back on and say, okay, what if? And I think yeah. those what ifs are always difficult. Uh Winning a championship is always a huge accomplishment, but the what if of potentially having superstar players test positive and having to sit out a series, that I think that would be grounds for an asterisk. That's fair. It's like the uh, the 2015 Warriors team, the Cavs fans were always saying, oh, LeBron would have won it if, if Kyrie and Kevin Love were healthy, and then the next year he did. So, yeah, I think that's, that's a good point too. Yeah, you know, I think – I personally think that if the Lakers do win the championship, I think there is going to be some kind of asterisk talk. But I agree with I agree with what you said, Carter. You know, this LeBron, isn't like it's LeBron. Yeah, yeah. It could just because you know the LeBron the LeBron haters are going to be like it doesn't count, right? And you know, oh, the the old heads. Yeah, and then yeah. if someone other than the Lakers wins, they're going to put in the LeBron the uh, the. The LeBron sexuals or the bronze sexuals are gonna put an asterisk. You know, right. I think but you know, like you said, the circumstances are way stranger than any other type of season where you would put an asterisk next to a title, you know, whether it be a season shortened by lockout or or any other kind of kind of strange scenario. But yeah, I don't think you know, I personally think it's the Lakers championship to lose. I don't see how LeBron doesn't come in in top physical condition. I don't see how he doesn't have that team ready to go. You know, I do think they're I do think they're susceptible. I do think they I do think they have chinks in the armor. But at the end of the day, I just think I don't see how the Lakers don't win this title. I think so too. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm just excited to have basketball back. Nothing yeah. really beats playoff NBA playoff basketball and I really just hope that everything goes smoothly um you don't have people starting to get test positive and whatnot hopefully this is like the one nice thing we can have in 2020 mm-hmm. I think yeah. the bubbles worked really well yeah you know I think you know it's yeah and you know the bubble concept has worked you know for the NWSL and and the MLS and you know we'll we'll see what happens you know going forward with the MLB bubble and the NHL bubble um, we don't really have a uh, big and more. doesn't really have a resident hockey guy. So, you know, we're, <laughs> we're going to have to, we're going to have to, we're going to have to just let, let, let sleeping dogs lie in that regard. 
Uh, Carter, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you as always. Uh, guys, we'll, uh, we'll talk next week. Next week, we have our highly anticipated interview with Lucy Rodin. So that'll be, it's, it's, a, it's a great interview, I think. So uh, stay tuned for that next week. And on Tuesday, we have a very special shorter episode with Darian Harris where we recast the X-Men into the MCU. So, loaded week coming up for the boys. Uh, fellas, go green. Go white. Go white. I did to you. But if I just showed up at your party, would you have me? Would you want me? Would you tell me to go fuck myself? Or lead me to the garden? In the garden, would you trust me if I told you it was just a summer thing? I'm only 17, I don't know anything, but I know I miss you. song was playing from the far side of the gym I was nowhere to be found I hate the crowds you know that plus I saw you dance with him you heard the rumors from Ignis you can't believe a word she says most times but this time it was true the worst thing that I ever did was what I did to you But if I just showed up at your party Would you have me? Would you want me? Would you tell me to go fuck myself? Or lead me to the garden? In the garden Would you trust me if I told you It was just a summer thing? I'm only 17 I don't know anything But I know I miss you She pulled up like a figment of my worst intentions She said, James, get in, let's drive Those days turned into nights Slept next to her, but I dreamt of you all summer long Doorstep and I planned it out for weeks now, but it's finally sinking in. Betty, right now is the last time I can dream about what happens when you see my face again. The only thing I wanna do is make it up to you. I showed up at your party Yeah, I showed up at your party